Aloha, this is Stephanie Colvin, and I am your host at LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. And thank you so much for joining us again. And if you're new, welcome. This week's topic is finding joy and the journey of life. The changes in my life and the changes in yours is only in the details. Time never stands still. It must steadily march on, and with the marching come the changes. This is our one and only chance at mortal life, here and now. The longer we live, the greater is our realization that it is brief. Opportunities come, then they're gone. I believe that among the greatest lessons we're to learn in this short sojourn upon the earth are lessons that help us distinguish between what is important and what is not. I plead with you not to let those most important things pass you by as you plan for that elusive and non-existent future when you will have time to do all that you want to do. Instead, find joy in the journey. I've contemplated what to cover this week Um, I just keep getting this insistent push to talk about what happened to me this last weekend Um, you know the premise of the podcast is that we utilize the gospel to reconcile the hard in our lives the trials and the challenges and um as I've prayerfully considered what to speak about this week and what to open up about, um, I continue to just feel that I need to share what happened to me this last weekend as I traveled to go see my grandson, um, my children, my parents. It was my mom's 77th birthday. It was a quick turnaround. I traveled about three hours north of Ventura and uh, was there for just under three days was so looking forward to having some time with my family and my grandson and just relaxing and taking a break from my life and that's not quite how it went down I had arrived on Thursday and um, very excited to see everybody was having the best time my nephew had come uh, to visit from Arizona he had spent the week with us and we just had a great week with him Um, just lots of love, lots of laughs and lots of fun. But by Friday night, about 11 o'clock at night, I had been woken up by just lots and lots of pain. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And, um, I thought maybe I had the flu. My grandson, who's barely four months old, was, Uh, sleeping with me so I immediately got up and took him in with his mom and dad um, making sure that you know I don't want him to get sick especially being so young I would never be able to forgive myself I went back into the room shut the door and proceeded to bear down on this situation which I had no clue that it was going to spiral out of control within just a matter of hours Um, I was violently violently vomiting and um vomiting so hard that my body was literally contracting 
around my organs and my body and it just hurt so bad. I could not, the pain was just so intense and it started around the right side pelvic area and went into my lower back and I thought it had something to do with the kidney. Um, but I'm not a doctor, but the two guesses that I had was either appendicitis or a kidney stone. Now I've never had a kidney stone, um, but I've had gallstones and those can be super, super painful. And, um, this was kind of like that, but with the amount of pain that I was experiencing, I really thought that I had appendicitis and, uh, about three 30 in the morning, I just told my son, I said, you have to call 911. Cause I can't at that point, I could not stop violently vomiting. Um, I had the chills. I was sweating profusely. The pain in my body was, and it's so interesting because I have such a high tolerance for pain. I've had two C-sections, a hysterectomy, uh, two DNCs, which essentially is where they scrape out your uterus for endometriosis. I've had my gallbladder removed. And, um, you know, I grew up playing a lot of sports and things that I was, I've always been very, very active. And this really swept out my feet from underneath me. Um, I remember when the ambulance got there, I just wanted to go to the hospital. I didn't grab anything, no wallet, no ID, no healthcare insurance card. I barely got shoes because my son brought it out to me. I was rushed to the hospital and quickly farmed in, um, with the rest of the people that were there. And you know what? It was not, it's so hard to be Christ-like and charitable when you don't feel well and you're in an extreme amount of pain. And uh, I knew that other people were in there for um, their own issues. The place was packed. It was really hard to go in there and not get any help, essentially, is what happened. So you go in there and you wait, depending upon how busy they are. And then they bring you to the registrar and you answer questions and then you wait some more. But that entire time I was in such excruciating pain that in between pain episodes, I was actually passing out, which I've never experienced in my life. Um, and I remember coming to one of the times and thinking that there's this person that's just yelling. And every time I came to after that, I continued to hear this person yelling, um, in pain and just asking for the doctor. And I really thought that I was an insane asylum. That yelling went on for longer than 30 minutes and I just could not handle it anymore. And, um, I recall saying to the person to shut the heck up, you know, I can't listen to you anymore. Um, <clears throat> and at the time that was just utter desperation for me. Cause I literally, I thought I was losing my mind. And the yelling just went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I just remember thinking that this must be with that wailing and gnashing of teeth that they talk about in the scriptures. It felt like my own personal hell. Um, I couldn't sit. I couldn't lay down. I was pacing the ER during pain episodes to try to work it through. I had to get my breathing under control. They would not give me oxygen to help me. And I do have seasonal asthma. I told them that. Um, my asthma was kicking in because of all the stress and anxiety. And, um, I really had to somehow dig deep and figure out how to help myself in this situation. You know, it's such a disservice that we're doing to people who have to enter into the hospital for whatever reason and not allowing family members to be with them, to be their advocate. And quite simply, when you're that sick, it's very hard for you to speak up for yourself. And, uh, 
I had nobody to speak up for me. I remember that when they called me to the registrar, I remember getting up. I don't remember walking over there, but when I sat down, she started to ask me a few questions. I answered those questions and then I promptly passed out and I came to with this gentleman pushing his knuckles into my chest, which was not a fun experience. I never had anybody do that or treat me like that before. And, um, of course, after speaking to some of my friends in healthcare and firefighters, um, they told me that's what they do to patients that they think are faking it. So we have this huge opioid epidemic here in the country, and it's made it very difficult for those who truly need this type of help and medication to get it. They assume that you're in there for meds um, before they rule you out for being somebody who is there just for the medication. And that's how I was treated. I felt like I was treated like a third class citizen. It was like my value as a human being um, was non-existent. And then after he did that and I woke up, he proceeded to admonish me and tell me that, you know, you can't be doing that. You can't be passing out. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt the registrar. You're going to hurt the people around you. And you know what? I worked in healthcare. I've been in a hospital setting. I totally get what he's saying. But believe you me, if I had the ability to control myself, I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't be passing out and I wouldn't be experiencing this pain. Um, so finally, the ER doctor called me up and uh, I just had to muster everything I had in my whole body to try to convey to this doctor who I am, what my needs are, and that I desperately need his help. And that's what I did. I looked at him straight in the eye and explained to him that I had been in healthcare for over 20 years, that I knew it was either kidney stone or appendicitis, that I had been throwing up violently now for almost six hours. My body was so racked with pain from the violent episodes of nausea and vomiting. On top of that, the pain that I was getting from whatever I was there for, um, that I just actually wanted to give up on life. I thought I was going to, this was going to be the end of it. Uh, it was the most severe excruciating pain I've ever experienced. And thankfully this doctor, he looked at me straight in the eye and he gave it a minute and he said, you got it. And he started to give me everything that I needed. So he ordered it. It took about another 45 minutes to an hour to actually get it. Once the nurse finally came over to um, give me the IV, it took several times for them to get it into the right spot. Um, but you know what? That stuff doesn't bother me. Once you have kids, modesty and um, your, goes out the window and your pain tolerance just shoots up because they're always, always digging into you to take blood, um, you know, to get the IV in you. And it was not a fun experience, but they finally got it in me after many, many tries. And once I received that nausea medication, and pain medication, I had a moment of just absolute euphoria and I was so grateful to have a break from the pain. Unfortunately, it did not last that long. They were giving me a shot of Dilaudid through the IV every hour and it was not even taking the edge off the pain. Um, and so I really thought that I was going to be rushed to surgery that day and that I had appendicitis, but thankfully the doctor being wiser than myself, ordered a CT scan and we found out that it was a kidney stone. Uh, I could not believe that a kidney stone can make you feel like you want to die. I've never had that experience before and it was absolutely miserable. 
So when I was discharged, I was discharged with paper clothes. I didn't have any personal intimate um, things to put on underneath. And I had to walk out of that hospital that way with my hair, uh, just all kinds of bodily fluids in my hair. Um, it was quite an experience. But I remember when I walked out of that hospital, it was about eight o'clock in the morning. I had been up all night and it was the first time I had had my faculties about me and the sun hit my face. And I remember just for a moment, I took just a moment to close my eyes and look up and just let the sun just wash over my face and my body like a warm blanket. And even though it was the worst experience of my life, and I honestly felt like I was doing the walk of shame because there was, there were two lines of people outside the ER trying to get in. And here I was walking out the way I was looking. I honestly just felt like, you know what? Heavenly Father took care of me. Um, obviously, I had to have this experience for a reason. He couldn't rob me of the entire experience. But um, he gave me what I could handle. And that's... One of the many lessons I learned was that God teaches me what I can handle, what I'm capable of. If I was to leave that up to myself, I probably would shortchange myself every single time and say, there's no way I can do that. Or there's no way that I can handle that. There's no way that I could, you know, figure that out or have the strength to endure that. And um, if I was told beforehand what I was going to go through, I would have said, I don't want to do it. And I don't want the lessons or the, the learning or the knowledge that comes with that. I just don't want to do it. But God in his infinite wisdom and omniscience, he took what he could for me to bear the burden of the hardship and the trial and the crisis. And uh, it could have been so much worse. I remember at one point I kept telling myself over and over in my head as I was struggling to breathe around this, it felt like I had this big ball in my chest. It was so hard to breathe. And I just remember telling myself that Father's with me, that Christ is with me, that Christ has suffered everything that I'm going through so he knows perfectly how to take care of me and that they will not give me any more than I can handle. And I just kept repeating that over and over and over in my head. So why am I sharing this with you? First of all, because I have been prompted to. I don't know who needs to hear this story. Um, I know that this podcast is really focused on how we apply the gospel in our lives to find peace with the things that we have to endure and go through. Um, and maybe by me sharing and how I handled it will help somebody who's listening. But that is my greatest hope is that the spirit can talk to you and your mind and heart that you need it the most this day. Um, it is because of the faith that I had been able to acquire and build through the callings that I've been given through the times that and the opportunities that I've been giving to, to serve, um, through the come follow me program to study and search and seek and pray all of that accumulated to this one moment where I could use all of that armor, all of that knowledge. It's really all of that ammunition, spiritual ammunition to help myself to allow the spirit to help me to recall what I need to recall in order to be helped through these situations. And this is once again, the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And I am so grateful for the teachings and the things that I have learned 
to help me through these times in my life. And I know this will not be the last time that my courage, my strength, my abilities to endure um, will be challenged. Uh, This will not be the last time that I'm going to experience pain, I'm sure. And, um, you know, being that I'm on the second half of my life at 48, um, I'm sure that I have other things that are going to happen in my life that I have to um, endure and push through just like, you know, Christ did while he was here, not only in Gethsemane and everything that he suffered through in, in Gethsemane, but also during his lifetime and everything that he did everywhere he walked and how he was treated. Um, it's only through these moments of suffering and pain that we truly understand what Christ went through, at least some kind of semblance of understanding. And then by that understanding coming to enlighten our minds, we can then understand how to use our faith in Jesus Christ to bless ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, and to pull on that uh, string of faith that we have in Christ to empower ourselves to just keep pushing forward, to endure, and to um, keep going and keep doing And that's what they ask us to do repeatedly in this gospel is keep going and keep doing and don't ever give up. So I wanted to cover, there was a talk or an article in the most recently Ahona for April this year, and it's called Faith at All Levels of Ability. And it shares the story of a few different people, and I'm going to start off with um, President Juan Medina. He was serving as branch president for the second time um, in his area. He said that um, this time it was a bit different because he couldn't see those he was ministering to. He says, I lost my vision little by little, but I did not lose the capability to serve that the Lord has always offered me. Now, President Medina um, lives in Sonora, Mexico, and he said, being able to minister to my brothers and sisters is a privilege. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, President Medina called each member of his branch to see how they were doing. He said that this not only helped others, but also helped him feel less stressed and depressed. He says, it is through ministering whether someone has ministered to me or I am ministering to others that I come to know the true love of Christ. You can see a clear difference between their lives before and after baptism. Love changes them. Um, So he's commenting there, uh, talking about those who are newly baptized members um, and how much he loves to work with newly baptized members because of the fire they have for the gospel. When he was asked about the challenges that he faces with his lost vision um, and some other health issues, his comments focused more on the people who were missing from his sacrament meeting each week and how he wants them to know how much they are missed versus him talking really about his disability and how it's affected his um, ability to be able to serve in the kingdom of God. He says, the biggest blessing I have received is that my life has changed through the gospel. Being blind has not changed that. 
And I love these stories because it always reminds me and brings me back into remembrance that no matter our situation or our circumstances, um, none of that caught God or Christ off guard. And even with the disabilities, even with the pains that we have to, sometimes we have to live with and endure and just carry with us, that they're always with us and they always, always, always help us. So remain true to the faith. There's another story of Heather Nilsson who loves to go to the temple. Um, There are a few places on earth and she would rather be. uh, She loves to be at the temple. She says the temple is a wonderful place because it's literally the house of the Lord. And I can definitely attest to that as well. Um, She actually attends, attends the LA California temple, which is the one that I go to. And, um, she actually served her mission there. Um, she says that the ordinance work that she had completed there mostly was for members of her family. And she says, I was never able to meet my grandfather in person, but I got to know him in the temple. A little unknown fact about this wonderful sweet sister is that she lives with cerebral palsy. Um, And that, of course, makes a lot of aspects of her life very difficult and challenging. Sister Nielsen said that sometimes she feels discouraged about what the birth defect prevents her from doing, like the simple tasks that we take for granted, like driving a car, sprinting around the block. Um, But her trust is in God's plan and gives her a hope that's more powerful than despair. And I love that statement because that's what God and Christ give us, is they give us hope, whereas the opposition, the adversary, gives us despair. She vividly remembered the day when she first learned about the resurrection. She was six years old at the time and had been adopted into a wonderful LDS family. And she says, the things that I can't do now, I will be able to do later because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful testimony of her faith and what she's come to understand about the atonement, which is super empowering. In the meantime, Sister Nilsson continues to help God save souls using her talent for family history work. She's researched and helped complete ordinances for hundreds and hundreds of people in both her adoptive and biological families. When hard days come, she reads her patriarchal blessing to give her hope comfort and to nourish her faith it refreshes her faith reminds her to view current challenges with an eternal perspective that's so important for us to do we have to be able to look beyond our current situation and how this affects our eternal life and remember that this is just for but a moment sister nilson said that she hopes every person who reads her story knows how much they are loved She says that there's one message that I would like to share is that you're not alone. Even if it feels like that sometimes, Heavenly Father loves you and you are his child. Sister Nelson, thank you so much for sharing yourself, your testimony, and your sweet, sweet faith. Bridger Pons um, is a young man whose story I'd like to share. He was uh, looking forward to blessing the sacrament and helping with that. And there was something he was also kind of dreading too, and that was reading and memorizing the sacramental prayers. You see, Bridger has dyslexia, and that is a learning disability where reading and spelling can be very hard to do. 
He says, I worked really hard to become a good reader, but I still get nervous when I have to read out loud in front of a group. When I'm nervous, I make mistakes, which makes me even more nervous. So Bridger and his mother, they printed a version of the sacramental prayers that was easier to read. It used a larger font and was separated into short phrases. After lots of practice, he was able to recite the prayers without any mistakes. He says being able to overcome the challenge of reading in front of a large group may not be a big deal for a lot of people, but for me, it was important. You see, his extra effort ended up blessing others in unexpected ways. And after the meeting, several ward members had come up to him and said that his slow, intentional speaking helped them focus on the Spirit during those sacred prayers. Also, while helping leaders understand his challenges, Bridger learned that other young men in the stake need similar help. A fear of reading was affecting their church participation and their confidence in preparing for missionary service. And now the Pons family shares reading resources with others whenever possible. Bridger said he hopes more people will realize that how well a person reads does not reflect their level of intelligence. And he also shared these words of encouragement for those who have reading challenges like he does. You're not alone and you are smart. Thank you, Bridger. What a great reminder. I think we can be too hard on ourselves, um, especially when we don't live up to the expectations that we place on ourselves. And um, we don't ever want the things that are a challenge for us to become an obstacle in our faith journey. There is one more story that I would like to share. That's a um, story about one of the early women of the Restoration, and her name is Jane. Jane Manning James, she was tired of walking, but she refused to stop. She was traveling, you see, and back then, of course, it was by horse and buggy. Her eldest son, who was Sylvester, was big enough to walk next to the wagon, but they had a baby on the trail, and his name was Silas, and he had to be carried. This was 1847, and the James family would soon be among the first pioneers to arrive in the valley of the Great Salt Lake, and Jane was no stranger to long journeys. They had been looking forward to this, and they had dedicated themselves with great conviction to making this journey and following the Lord's counsel. Four years earlier, her family had left their home in an eastern city to join the saints in Nauvoo. The trip should have taken just a few days by river, but back then, black people were slaves in the United States at that time. Jane's family frequently had to show papers proving their freedom, and in some places, there were very, very strict laws preventing people of color from traveling through the area, including charging up to $500 per person for passage. You know, back in those times, $500 was a lot of money. Perhaps because of this outrageous fee or even because of other prejudices, unfortunately, the riverboat crew refused to take Jane and her family members any farther. But Jane, being undeterred, and her family... They left behind many of their possessions and set out on foot with whatever they could carry. That family ended up walking 800 miles. Can you imagine? 800 miles. They walked through humid days and pitch black nights. Once they even trudged through a forest, sleeping under the open sky. 
and when they awoke, their clothes were white with frost. Imagine how cold they must have been. We walked until our shoes were worn out, she said, and our feet became sore and cracked, open and bled. We asked God, the Eternal Father, to heal our feet, and our prayers were answered. That's the biggest takeaway, is that we can ask for help, and God answers our prayers. The power of prayer is real. While enduring this hard journey, Jane sang hymns with her parents and siblings, praising God. And finally, after nearly three months of walking, they arrived in Nauvoo. Years later, when faithful saints left to cross the plains, Jane was among the first pioneers to start walking that trail. And Jane rejoiced through the journey. Are we like Jane? Are we determined to complete our journey with faith? I want to be like her. I strive to be like her. And I want to be able to overcome the many struggles that we are going to face in this life. And sometimes it will cause a faith crisis. And I just want you to know that it's okay. As long as you search and pray and study it out in the correct ways that we have been taught. Those questions, those doubts, those faith crisis moments, you will conquer and overcome. It is through the power of the atonement and the love that we have for Christ, our faith on Him, that we can overcome all things. I think the biggest thing that I'd like to focus on is overcoming the cares of the world. You know, the world would teach you that you have to be hard, that humility is a weakness, meekness is a weakness. You know, being kind is for the weak. And yet we know that these are spiritual strengths, that these are divine strengths, and we must continue to be different from the world. Even when we're put in circumstances that most people would say, you know what, I don't blame you. And that's kind of what happened with me in that year department. I mean, honestly, nobody could have blamed me. And that's pretty much what everybody said to me when I told them that I had told that older gentleman to shut the heck up. But after I was able to finally feel a little bit better and have my wits about me, I immediately felt the wrongfulness in what I did. But I don't live under the burden of it because I sincerely and genuinely turn to the Lord and repent. And this is the gift that's been given to us, is that we can be released of these mistakes and the things that we do that are not Christ-like. And then I prayed for this gentleman that he could get the help that he needed and that he could have comfort from the Spirit of God. I think another way that we can really overcome the cares of the world is to focus on the Lord, His teachings, His gospel, and focusing more on the Lord's will and wanting to adopt His will versus having our will and being determined to have it our way. We have been invited to come follow me by the Savior. And this is one of the greatest ways for us to overcome the trials and tribulations, the inevitable hardships and the things that are going to push us outside our comfort zone that are just going to be 
so overwhelming that you may question your ability to be able to work it out and to endure. And that's quite a right. Um, because we have the Savior. We have Christ. We have His atonement. We have His teachings. We have His willingness to yoke Himself to us and carry that burden. In Doctrine and Covenants section 38 verse 31 it says, And that ye might escape the power of the enemy and be gathered unto me, a righteous people without spot and blameless. This is what the gift and power of the atonement gives to us, is to be able to return without spot and to be blameless. I am grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life and all of the teachings that we are given. I am grateful for the many opportunities that were given to serve the Lord, which by doing helps me to understand his ways to feel his love for his children and to experience all of the beauty and the marvel that the gospel has to offer. This weekend, we have an investigator that is being baptized. My husband and I have only taught him once. We've shown up three times. He only showed up once out of that three times. And here he is getting baptized and we're so excited for him. Um, We know that he's had many other lessons And um, he seems to be very genuine and true. So we want to support that. Uh, We support him in this decision. And we will be there this Saturday for his baptism. Uh, I love to go to converts baptisms. And even young children's baptisms. You just get different experiences from them. But it's such a joy to go to these baptisms. When they're just so on fire for the gospel. And they're so believing. Um, I always feel like this urgency to to remind them to remember this moment and that's what the prophet president nelson has taught us recently is to remember these moments that when we inevitably find ourselves in another situation that's pushing us beyond our limits and comfort zone that we can be reminded of the power and majesty of god and christ and all that they do to to be with us and to help us to overcome this life Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope that something that has been said or shared can impress upon you and your heart and mind to help you in your faith journey as we all walk this journey on that straight and narrow path, holding on to the iron rod to the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ, seeking to return home to that celestial glory. Uh, May you guys have a wonderful week. Stay safe, stay healthy. And most importantly, stay faithful. And please remember to be kind for everyone you meet as fighting a hard battle. Until next week, God bless.